Bills beat the Bucks. What does it mean more about regarding those two teams? Alex Clancy, Tony Wiggins, locked on NFL Friday. Let's roll. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. of the Locked on NFL podcast, your team every day. You see me, Alex Clancy. You see him, Tony Wiggins, on right. different days on this same platform. But we are thrown together on a Friday. One of my dear friends in this network. I'm really excited to be doing this with Tony. Thank you for making Locked on NFL your first listen each and every day, free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We're going to talk about the game that happened last night. We're going to preview some games coming on this weekend. And what I like to bring from my Thursday episode is a mystery segment. Tony doesn't know what we're going to talk about. Only I do. You will soon. Tony, what we watched last night was fun at times for about 20% of it. And then a big, boring-ass game, the remaining portion of it. Give me your biggest takeaways for the Buffalo Bills' victory over the hapless offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I somehow came away from that game. And by the way, I feel the same way about you, Alex, and I'm glad to be here. But I somehow came away from that game last night thinking I was more impressed with the fact that the Bucs seemed to be better, even in the most boring way, Sort of like the Giants last year, where they they they're playing these unsustainably competitive games, but still they're doing it every single week. So it seems like Tampa's a little bit better than I think they are. And even though they won, I feel like the Bills aren't as good as I I, I thought they would be, and I hope they would be. And I keep looking for reasons for them to be good. They had complete domination of the game and had a chance that if they didn't convert a, a third down, that Tampa could have gotten the ball back and possibly won. So. I wanted to, this is a real bad sign with me when I can't see a team, when a team doesn't have an identity and you, and, and it doesn't form. And you've seen that team as they are configured. You've seen them before actually have an identity. And I tell you what, their identity might be in New Jersey, Northern New Jersey with Brian Debo, because it seems like ever since he left, they have not been the same. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. Like I've been in the camp for the last two seasons that there's something wrong with Buffalo. Ever since the 13-second drive by Kansas City, it just shattered every inch of momentum that they had up until that point. Regardless of how rational that is, one game, one moment, Josh Allen cannot be that team's identity, as you mentioned. Like, they don't run the ball. They, you, like, they, have, they have pockets. Last year in the playoffs, last year down the stretch, they started running the ball with Devin Singletary, and it's like, wait, you can run the ball? Josh Allen doesn't have to be you know, responsible for 95% of the yards in an effort to win games. And when push comes to shove, they don't run the ball outside of Josh Allen. But the weird part is Gabe Davis seems to start to become like the apple of Josh Allen's eye with Stefan Diggs, obviously in tow one and one a, but if you've got a guy like Stefan Diggs, he had a bunch of targets. I think he has 11 targets, nine, eight catches for 60 yards, but Gabe Davis seems to be at times the more effective wide out 
in this offense, and I don't understand why. I don't either. I, I mean, uh, I've seen in Jacksonville, like this year, when people talk about Calvin Ridley, and the coaching staff has basically come out and said people are playing bracket coverage and trying to take him away and, and forcing Trevor to do other things, and Ridley's been great. You don't hear people talk like that about Diggs, do you? You don't really hear anyone come out and say, well, teams are doing this and teams are doing that. And, you know, I had somebody the, uh, the other day tell me, this is why I hate number one receivers that are not big and not small. And I'm thinking, like, did you not see Antonio Brown? Yeah, it can happen. You know, you doesn't. Did you not see Steve Smith Sr.? Yeah. And and for Diggs's career, he's he's doing well. But there's something that just a little bit off about this team offensively and I can't seem to put them in. this is when you need a, a dominant offensive line and a running back this is when you need Derrick Henry you can say you know what until we figure it out just bust people in the mouth yeah this is, it. Just, just, this is when you hammer it home behind your line and that's the luxury that teams like Philadelphia has like if the passing game ain't going well guess what we're just going to push people we're just mm -hmm. going to run the ball um, Buffalo just doesn't seem to have that switch they don't have the personnel for it they don't have I want to like them because I like their uniforms <laughs> and even though their fans are buck wild, yeah, you know, I, I I dig the whole deal. I get I feel sorry for them sometimes when they get like snowed into their houses and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But those people they love that team, and so when you see that, you wanted to be rewarded. And when you see that window where it is now with them and 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 the Bengals, and you're like, what's going on with them, man? Because I cannot put my finger on it. They've had they've had a little bit of uh, misfortune in, in terms of being healthy. But they have so much depth, and you just—they should beat that team solidly tonight, and they actually did. But it just didn't really show up on the scoreboard. And I yeah, it was a six and a half minute drive by yeah. Tampa Bay towards the tail. It was an ugly game. Then you know Mike Evans, who will be featured in the mystery segment, believe it or not. Um, what they're running into—it's funny you say that because we could talk about this game until you're blue in the face. Tampa Bay's not very good. Buffalo should be better than their record indicates. You know, whatever it may be, Buffalo's going to make the playoffs. Tampa Bay won't. But one of the funny things, like. People compare, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes to Tom Brady. And it mm. makes sense, obviously, especially in this sport, obviously. But what I'm thinking this is for Joe Burrow and Josh Allen is more Tiger Woods than Tom Brady. Like, mm. they're the Phil Mickelson of this generation, where the, the gap between one and the rest is starting to separate because Patrick Mahomes doesn't matter what his numbers are. He doesn't have to throw for 400 yards. Josh Allen has the gaudiest numbers of everybody rushing touchdowns passing touchdowns whatever it is you're starting to see tiger woods in the nfl where it's like you know what come and get me kids because i'm head and shoulders when when the time comes above you in performance now that may not necessarily be fair because joe burrow's been been hurt and they were a half second away from winning the super bowl if if the offensive line would have held up again you know with jamar chase screaming down the sideline but Patrick Mahomes every week is the best player on the field. And you can't always say that about Joe Burrow and Josh Allen with how they lead their team. Is, is that a fair assessment where, with where we are right now? I wouldn't say it about Joe as much. Joe's just kind of been banged up. And, yeah. and I think he's closer to it because he's actually out of all the people, he's the one that actually beat won those games against yeah, Patrick sure. Mahomes. Right. Sure. And he, you know, he, he has the, he, so I like your analogy. I just think it's, uh, it's more, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. It's, okay. it's like that. It's it's Gretzky Lemieux. Like, you know who the number one guy is, but, you know, I guess Federer and Nadal. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what it is with them. 
It's because last year they could have beat him again if the dude didn't push Patrick Mahomes when he got out of bounds. So I think Joe Burrow's sort of proven himself a little bit, although, you know, he probably wants to get back to win that Super Bowl. The difference with 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 Allen is he's regressed and he you wondering what what is going on with him because he's just regressed. It, it, it's almost like sometimes he's playing pickup ball and the situational football just goes out of the window. So that, that's the thing that bothers uh, me about uh, Allen in this case. You know, you you're wondering what it is, because I think the team has done everything that they could do to surround him with people and talent, although they probably could have added a running back uh, about one or two times. Because I like I like James Cook, but he's a third down guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, you think, what would they be? But see, I think they're afraid to do that. If they get a Jonathan Taylor or somebody like that that needs 25 touches, that it takes away from what they already do. And what they already do does not work. Yeah, they need like a – this is the back that I always go back to. They need a LeGarrette Blount. They need a guy, you're up 13 points with eight minutes left in the fourth, give him the ball 15 times. That's how he made his money. New England, Philly, wherever he was, you need a guy that can pound the rock, as you mentioned. And it's funny you say with – so, yeah, Ken Dorsey's just the next guy. Brian Dable did a fantastic job turning Josh Allen from Eli Manning into Josh Allen, where he mm-hmm. cut down on the turnovers. He elevated what he was able to do. But I think with Brian Dable, he kept Josh Allen from going rogue. He's like a – He's like the blonde lady in Happy Gilmore when Happy Gilmore started going nuts and he ended up the chick from Modern Family where she's he's about to throw a club and she's like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Brian Dable was. He was like the restrictor plate for Josh Allen and he doesn't have that anymore. So we're kind of seeing the more Wild West Josh Allen than, than we did in the past. Alex Clancy, Tony Wiggins at Shop Talking Wiggins, locked on Jaguars at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Uh, Locked on Cardinals for me, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, Monday through Friday. It's how we do it at Locked On. There are some very fun games coming up in week eight that we're going to discuss. Uh, hopefully a little bit more fun than the game we just watched. And we'll discuss those next as we roll on here on a Friday edition of the Locked On NFL podcast. This episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by FanDuel. So here's the thing. Tony knows, I know, everybody at the Locked On Podcast Network knows that we love FanDuel. Snap into action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, for new customers when you place a $5 wager. It's nothing. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, more. You can pick division winners. You could pick futures with who you think is going to win MVP, Coach of the Year, things like that. FanDuel's got you covered with any and everything under the sun. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official sports partner of the NFL. Man, this is fun. I haven't done a Friday ever, I don't think. Alex Clancy and Tony Wiggins, we normally grace your ears and um, eyes on different days in the Lawson NFL week, but we are partnering together on Friday this week to take you into the weekend at Shop Talk and Wig on Twitter, Locked on Jaguars for him, and Clancy's Corner, Locked on Cardinals for me. Thanks for making Locked on NFL your first listen each and every day. Free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube fantasy or football season is here and Locked on 
is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live each Friday today. Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Anitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from the stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anybody else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. So let's pivot into the rest of the games going on this weekend. Sure. Tony Wiggins. As we look at this slate, I mean, there, there are a couple fun games that uh, that are upon us. Um, but there are some where it's like, okay, this team is on the rise. Let's see if they can beat a tough opponent. There's, there's one game that I'm looking at for mm-hmm. myriad reasons. It's not the sexiest game, but we saw this team get a victory last week when nobody expected it. It's New England Patriots going into Miami. Okay, so these are games where it's like any game Bill Belichick is in, he could turn the clock back. You know, he did it last week. Mac Jones looked less throw-upable when you watch him play football. And then the Dolphins need to start separating themselves in the AFC East. So when you go into a matchup like this, do you think that there's a chance that New England can go in where they've never played well, even with Tom Brady? They've never played well in South Beach. Do you think that they could go in and be competitive against the Dolphins? Or do you think this is a, you know, just run amok scoring for Miami, even with that New England defense on the other side of the ball? Depends if Tyreek Hill plays. I heard he's banged up. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle's also banged up. And then New England, can, they play the run pretty well. So, you know, people don't understand something. They get so caught up in all of those wide receivers zigzagging all over the place and two are getting rid of the ball. And, and rightfully so. I get it. Miami runs the ball extremely well. And sometimes they run, and they, especially when Devin A. Chain was, was healthy, him and Mostert. I saw one game, it looked like every single time they gave the ball, it looked like looking, it was like I was looking at the Oklahoma Sooners from the 80s. It was like <laughs> 10 yards every carry. And I'm like, that is demoralizing. I mean, those big plays are one thing because there's something you can't do nothing about. But to just keep like giving up chunk plays on the ground is really, really demoralizing. So what the Patriots are able to do is take away at least one thing, right? They can either keep everything in front of them and, and make Tua be really, really patient, or they can just take the run away and then hope the receivers that are banged up don't play well. Uh, yeah, it's a good game, and I agree with you. I think New England can go in there and get it. Um, another team that beat the Buffalo Bills, like the New England Patriots did, is your home cook in Jacksonville Jaguars going to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. These are the football fan, the football just degenerate lovers games that you love to watch because I've been waiting. You and I have gone back and forth in our DMS, personal ones and our, you know, locked on NFL DMS about Trevor Lawrence about, is it, when's that rise? When's that next step can happen? And it's slowly, but surely happening. The numbers aren't necessarily there. The offensive line is banged up. As you've mentioned to me multiple times, this is a signature game for a guy like Trevor Lawrence to go in against that defense and get a dub to separate himself from Houston and the other teams in the AFC South? I think he's done that already, um, but I know what you're saying. What you're saying is take that next un- uh, that next step where he's unquestioned uh, to be a dude that's going to live up to all of the, the things that uh, he, you know, that were said about him. And, uh, you know, I'm going to pull the stats up here real quick because sure. there's some people that don't realize exactly how good he's been. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is that folks expect okay so over the last two years trevor lawrence has 11 
interception, 33 touchdowns with 5,700 yards and completed about 67% of his passes. I, I, okay, so what, so when I wonder with 33 touchdowns, at 11, what exactly are we expecting when we say that he hasn't lived up? What is he supposed to be living? His first year under Urban Meyer didn't really count. Right. So for a guy to have done that in the two seasons without Meyer, I'm thinking like, are, are we forgetting? We, we're not forgetting. I think we get so spoiled with Burrow and then we forget what real good quarterback play is. That's really, really good for a young player, especially behind a makeshift offensive line. I think they go in and beat Pittsburgh and I'm not being biased about it. I'm being, yeah. you know, deadly honest. The only way Pittsburgh wins that game is if they dirty it up and if it gets ugly and then uh, at the very end, Kenny Pickett gets hot like he has a tendency to do in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about Trevor Lawrence, I didn't expect us to go this way, but I, I'm happy we are, is he's – ever since that starting quarterback went down in Clemson, um, I forget, is Kelly O'Brien? Kelly – whatever is it? Kelly something like – They whatever, him. Yeah, they, they snatched him. Yeah, oh, that's right. So Trevor Lawrence comes in mm-hmm. as a true freshman, okay? There hasn't been since him – somebody with the pub that he's gotten since his first snap. And I think that's unfair to him coming into the NFL, going number one overall. Joe Burrow played one good year in college. It happened to be maybe the greatest quarterback year in the history of college football. But he had this buildup that he was going to be the next Andrew Luck or whatever the hell you want to say. He doesn't play like Andrew Luck. He doesn't play like Peyton Manning. He plays like himself. But with Urban Meyer year, the numbers, like his numbers have never been gaudy. And I think that's what lulls us into a sense of security that a quarterback is playing well when the numbers reflect the win-loss. Like Kirk Cousins, nobody looks at his numbers because you look at the win-loss and you look the at what he does. Great, right. You know, but with Trevor Lawrence, he's never thrown for 300 yards average in perpetuity. He's not throwing two and a half touchdowns a game. You know, so I think that may be from afar where it's like, yes, level-headed, good leader, great quarterback, but never really hasn't amounted to the world beater coming out of college. It took Peyton Manning forever to do so as well. So I think that's me kind of defending the other side of my argument. I think, and then sometimes when there's opportunities to really see him play, folks don't see that magic. I I still think that most people, when they think about Trevor Lawrence, they look at the first half of the Chargers game, and then they they look at the second half as if he got lucky. You know, he mm-hmm. threw four in a pick. If you you know you do that, throwing four picks in a half is going to be more memorable in a bad way than throwing four touchdowns to come from behind. That's just it. Because throwing four picks in a half of a playoff game sounds like an absolute disaster. It sounds like a Jameis Winston uh, thirty for thirty or something, right? Yeah. So nobody's gonna nobody's gonna remember the things that he's did well. And so I, I mentioned he's only had he's only has uh, thirteen picks. Four of those picks came in one half. So after that, he only has nine in a whole season and a half, right? The thing about him is when you watch the games, the thing that makes you realize that he's still consider, should be considered generational is three or four times a game, he'll make a throw that you know there's only three dudes in that league can make. Yeah, absolutely. So he can be 20 out of 32 for 262 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. But you remember those three throws if you watch the game and you're going, dang. And then now it, it becomes what happens when he gets a true number one receiver or if he ever gets a receiver taller than 6'1", 
or if he gets a line that isn't, you know, playing musical chairs every single week because they're banged up or suspended. Whatever happens, once him and Doug Peterson really get on the same page, and this thing looks uh, very, very consistent. So uh, I think he's, I think he's been better, and I'm not being biased. I think sometimes I don't like putting out numbers because numbers don't tell the whole truth. In this situation, they don't tell enough of the story. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean they were, you know, multiple tiptoes away from scoring many more touchdowns this year and winning a couple more games as well with the wide receivers being, you know, fractionally out of bounds. Uh, I think three and one game I remember watching. A couple other games, Rams in Dallas is fascinating to me. The Rams have put together a sneaky offense, and I think that they've got an outside chance to make that six or seven spot um, if their defense can hold up. I think the, you know, depending on Brock Purdy's health, he went back to practice yesterday in a limited fashion. Looks to be Sam Darnold, but we'll see. The Bengals are going in to Levi Stadium to play San Francisco in the afternoon slate. And then Brown Seahawks, another one that's going to be ugly in the afternoon slate, but it's a very meaningful game for both teams, especially P.J. Walker starting again with Deshaun Watson out. We'll see what, what happens there. I mean, there's it's going to be a good slate, especially for real football fans where it doesn't need to be 90 points being scored. We welcome all football fans, all sides of the spectrum here on the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, as we transition here into the mystery segment, Tony Wiggins has no idea what this is going to be. That's exactly where I want it to be. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals, Tony Wiggins, Locked on Jaguar, staging here on a Friday Locked on NFL podcast. We will be right back. This episode of Locked on NFL is brought to you by Prize Picks. So, Prize Picks is another one that I just absolutely love. I downloaded the app on my phone, I've been utilizing it today, and it makes a dumb person like me look smart, which is, it's very difficult to do. It's the most fun I've had making up to 25 times my cheese this football season. All right. You select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats and place your entry. It takes less than 60 seconds. You're not playing against a million different people. You're not playing against bots. You're not playing against sharp betters or whatever you call them. Prize picks is you versus the projected stats. They offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize picks discounts, select player projections up to 25%. To provide even more value, they offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Um, withdrawals are super easy. Gameplay, enormous selection of stats. NBA, Major League Baseball, which is going to be over soon. Uh, NFL, whatever. Prize Picks has got you covered. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 in this episode of Locked on NFL Friday is brought to you by DoorDash. I get lazy on the weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to leave my basketball shorts and my the comfort of my couch watching television. So DoorDash has me covered. Okay, and if you're in Phoenix, I'll speak for Phoenix because that's where I'm at. Postina. Julio's too. They have these mini chimichangas with a, this like jalapeno cream cheese dipping sauce. So one of the best Mexican food I've ever had. You can get it at DoorDash. You watch the game, you order food, bingo, bango, bongo, knock on your door, your food's here. Like people don't utilize it nearly as much as they should. And especially with this, get 50% off up to 10 bucks value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON23. That's 50% off up to $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms 
apply. 20 and I could do probably another two hours, even though it's, you know, a little bit later on the East Coast for him. Oh, 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 oh we can? Oh, we, yeah. we can? Okay, okay. We can. I mean, listen, Ross Jackson would, would scream at me, but I think it'd be worth it for one time. At Clancy's Corner, Locked on Cardinals for me. At Shop Talking Wig on Twitter, Tony Wiggins, Locked on Jaguars. You can listen to both of our podcasts, free and available, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, Monday through Friday. Mystery segment. This is what I normally do on my day that I host. Um and I try to thwart the brain of Tyler Rowland, my daily co-host. The mystery segment is as such. It's surrounding wide receivers, and it's surrounding the movement of wide receivers before 2024. What Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have done have opened the floodgates on anything that is possible in the NFL. You take the two probably best wide receivers over the last couple seasons numbers-wise, and you move them to different teams and give them extensions. I mean, A.J. Brown you could throw in there as well. But with that, Player movement has never been more prevalent. It's never been more potent with the biggest names in the game. So the mystery segment is here. I'm going to list four wide receivers. You're going to tell me which player has the best chance to remain on the team that he currently plays for. And it's going to highlight two players that we watched last night in the Bills and Bucks game. Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and then I'm going to throw in potentially the best wide receiver in the NFL with potentially the biggest question mark surrounding the roster that he currently sits on for the future in Justin Jefferson. So the reason why Justin Jefferson is an interesting one is because that would be something we'd never seen before. He's under contract through 2024. Okay. We saw Debo Samuel go through this, but he was a second round pick, not as long of a contract, his rookie deal. And he ended up getting an extension before this season started. Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson. Which player has the best chance to remain on the team he currently plays for in 2024? I say Mike Evans. Uh, no, the one to stay on the team he currently plays, Devontae Adams. And I, okay. think it's the, I think it's the restrictions of the contract. And okay. um, the, the optics of that would be so bad if you're the Raiders. You hired Josh McDaniel. I remember uh, when Denver hired Josh McDaniel and Peyton Hillis and Brandon Marshall and Jake Plummer. All of them left, right? And, oh, and, and so, or was it Cutler? It might have been Cutler. I don't know. It was one of those. No, no, players. you're right. It was one of the two, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, is to to do that all over again to get to get a dude and then start just jettisoning pieces, and it would just be a disaster. The, the optics of it would be terrible. That you you go get a guy who is as accomplished as Devontae Adams, like first ballot Hall of Fame mm-hmm. material, and you have to get rid of him. So the thing that people don't understand is when a team pays a dude and gives them all of that money, they give them a lot of bonus money up front. And I don't know about his his contract. But sometimes those signing bonus, that's a lot of money to give a dude and then give away. The new team doesn't have to give any of that back. That that people don't understand something. Signing bonus money is put in escrow, is it's it's gone, whether he receives it or not. The guaranteed portion. Now, the guaranteed portion is a different thing. But let's just say that they've already given him between last year and this year, if he's already gotten $40 million, they will never get a return on that investment. Ever. I don't care what has to happen. So it's hard for me, but I think Mike Evans, because last year of his deal, team isn't going anywhere, team isn't really very good. Um, he doesn't seem real happy. 
he's he's at that point of 10 years where you really don't want to pay him this is when you send him to a team that needs a big receiver and 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 that's a contender that needs a catch radius guy and here's the thing he's probably the one of those three that's the cheapest to get on the market that's why i think it's easier yeah it's interesting you know the Devontae Adams one is fascinating because he's 30, okay? And, yeah, you know, I probably agree with you, but it's not because he wants to be there. They moved off of Derek Carr, and it's proving that you don't know in the first year. Dennis Allen is maybe lateral move for Josh McDaniel as as, as pertaining to, you know, talent of head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense has gotten an uptick. The run game probably stayed, out, stayed the same with, with, with Alvin Kamara. Like, you know – Derek Carr is caught between a rock and a hard place with the AC joint and everything like that. Like once they moved off Derek Carr, why did you trade for Devontae Adams? Like I thought that was supposed to be a package deal, two Fresno State cats. It was going to be like that. You ride off into the sunset together. Mike Evans, I think, has a chance, maybe the best chance to stay because he's been loyal for so long. Him and Chris Godwin are heaven sent when it comes to wide receivers. There is zero diva in anywhere. You know, like all Mike Evans has done is put up thousand yard receiving years, ten touchdowns, and been quiet. A lot of NFL, like like a, you know, um, fringe NFL fans. It's like Mike Trout. You couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but all he's done is produced, and that's why I wanted to bring him in because it's like I can make a case that he's like if they bring a quarterback in there, it's like they're a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Again, like nothing's changed except for, you know, Leonard Fournette. But my biggest one, and I've said this for two off seasons, Stephon Diggs will not be a Buffalo Bill next year. We're starting to see the rational side of Antonio Brown's frustration when he was in Pittsburgh. Nothing that happened after. He got paid. He wanted his touches. We go back to, I think, the playoff game last year, Stephon Diggs had one target in the first half. And that was it. Like, if you can't come back from that as a wide, a bona fide wide receiver one. Devontae Adams always got his targets. Mike Evans has always got his targets regarding a quarterback. You know, Stephon Diggs, he goes silent sometimes, and it's you can't blame him because he's an evil wide receiver. So that's why, like, and Justin Jefferson, I that will blow the roof off the NFL. Yeah, you're right. If he requests a trade. So, I mean, it's interesting. You know, it's just a fun conversation to have because – Wait, we have no idea what this wide re- – like, we have no idea. And with this day and age of passing the ball, you can play wide receiver until you're 35. You know, like, it's not 30 and you're over the hill, especially with how talented these guys are still. Yeah, and they're talking about – I heard some people talking about what if Devontae Adams goes to or the Chiefs. That'll be something you've never seen. I love Devontae Adams. We just saw Tyreek Hill there two years yeah. ago, though. so don't tell me that it's like something you've never seen before. I think more logical is this. What if Mike Evans gets traded to the Chiefs? Oh my yeah. God. Because now, now you got two tall guys. Now you got Kelsey. You don't have a Kelsey and a short, fast guy. You got Kelsey and another dude. Mahomes just has to put it in an area. So yeah, I, I think Mike Evans is the one that's most likely to be moved before the trade deadline. But I don't I I, I would agree that Stefan Diggs is probably out of there at the beginning of the next season. That's unfortunate, man. I, I don't really know why, like. Yeah, I mean, Mike. So Mike Evans is a guy. I and we got to get out of here on this before we get yelled at. So Mike Evans is a guy. Like their running backs have noses for the end zone. You know, Ladainian Thompson had a nose for the end zone. You know, there are guys that just get in. James Conner knows. Like there are guys that just get in. Derrick Henry, 
Mike Evans, their wide receivers to just catch everything inside that painted area of pay dirt. You throw it up to him, he catches it. DeAndre Hopkins, I wouldn't even put Devontae Adams in that. Like, Mike Evans is special. Mike Evans is a Plaxico Burris jump ball just aficionado while being great everywhere else. So I agree. I mean, any team would be lucky to have him. You'd have a humble guy who would come in and just get into any team. He's the Curtis Martin of wide receivers. All he does is get 1,000 yards every time. Curtis Martin of wide receivers. Yep. That's exactly right. I'm not – I won't say anything smarter than that, so we're just going to end it there. Tony Wiggins, Locked on Jaguars, at Shop Talking Wig on Twitter. Clancy's Corner, Alex Clancy, Locked on Cardinals. We will talk to you on our respective podcast tomorrow or Monday.